0: A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down, the medicine go down, in the most delightful way. (laughs) I'm the Boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you! <laughs>
1: oh All right, well, we're back. Ten time. Minutes, ten minutes with it's the, the boogie man, boogie man, boogie man. All right. So we talked last week. We know that KO boxing's coming up. We know that you have an opponent.
0: Yeah, it's, you know what? Mel is fucking on top of shit. You know, I had to kind of get on her, and uh, you know, now, now we're bringing up another guy.
1: We know that uh, Flavio Michelle will be on that card. He's going to be fighting Brian uh, Brian Samuel. Oh yeah, coming. He's coming over from Dakota to get his ass whooped.
0: Nice. I heard Ford's going to be on the card possibly too.
1: Mr. Ford is going to be on the card, uh, so it's going to be a good event.
0: Nice. Yeah, I think I think the people of Edmonton, you know, because Jelena obviously has such a huge following, and when she's not on a card, a lot of people don't come, but I think people are starting to get more interested just based on the fact that we've been putting on exciting fights. There's been knockouts, there's been good heavyweight action, there's been some really good, really good scraps.
1: Well, they got the those two young kids, the Santoro brothers, too. They're pretty exciting.
0: Oh, yeah. Those kids are getting after it. You know, I had a chance to talk with their dad, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of passion there, and uh, I think it's great for the city, right? 100%.
1: There's so, are you
0: going to be there? Because, actually, I, I got to relay a message that my mom sent. I said that we should get my mom on the podcast. Yes. Uh <laughs> right. She's like, no, no. my mom's an avid listener of the Spice Life podcast. She follows my social media at a distance. She doesn't have any herself, but she just checks my pages regularly. Oh. And she said, "You tell those boys. You tell Tanner, tell Tanner and Luke that not to put their phone down and keep talking when they're filming." <laughs> and then there was a moment where you, you put the phone down and you said, "Oh shit," or something like that.
1: Oh, I dropped the phone, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. You said to be more professional, and I said they are very professional. I go, if you saw the suits that they were wearing, you immediately have to take them seriously.
1: I don't know if you can take me too seriously with the suits that I wear,
0: but... <laughs> I, take you more, I take you more seriously, you're the Don Cherry of uh, Canadian boxing.
1: Now, I do, I do have another suit in the works. What do you got? Well... I don't really want to disclose it, but it's going to be good.
0: we going to preview? Like, is it kind of like wild colors or is it like cool shapes? Like, what are we talking?
1: This one is not going to be such wild colors, but it is going to be black and gold. And also, it
0: has like a subtle message.
1: Yeah, but the in the gold pinstriping, there's going to be writing.
0: Hello? Hello. There we are. Yeah. So it has more of a subtle message is what you're telling me.
1: It has a very subtle message, but if you get up close and you read the gold pinstriping, you're probably going to get told off.
0: <laughs> I like it. Yeah,
1: and we'll go with the crazy socks and a crazy shirt, obviously.
0: You know who's going to be jealous? I can tell you right now, Brad Switzer.
1: Well, he's can get. he got a suit sponsor. He can get whatever he wants made.
0: Brad's got a lot of sponsors. You know, I... Uh... I spoke to Brad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Asked him how training and stuff was going, and uh, you know, he—he he, sounds like he's going to be on the next card too. He had food poisoning last time.
1: Yes, he uh, is. He going to get the shot against Frank?
0: I hope so, because Frank, uh Frank's a good test for him. Frank's been in there with, uh, with some serious guys.
1: Yeah, Frank's Frank's a six and six fighter. It's a it's a good test for Brad. I think I like the fight. I wanted to see it last time.
0: Yeah, it's disappointing. It was kind of a weird card. A couple guys ended up not fighting and I were supposed to.
1: It was a good card, though. Mm-hmm. So
0: it was a very good card.
1: Th- this one's going to prove to be entertaining. I do know that there is a uh, a Mexican fellow that was on the card last time that's going to be making the trip back to Edmonton.
0: <coughs> oh, really?
1: Yeah, and he's going to be... Uh, I, I don't know if I can say anything about the fight, so I'll just stop it right there.
0: That sounds exciting. Yes. You could the, lead into other fights, is what you're telling me.
1: You, yes.
0: <laughs> very nice, very nice. I want to see Robbie Cousine in action again too. He got uh, kind of a disappointing fight. The guy got stuck at the border.
1: Do you know how to actually say his last name?
0: Robbie Cousine. It's cousin. It's Robbie cousin. Yes. I, see, you know what? I thought it was French. He <laughs> seems French. He should be a Simon Keith spy, without a doubt.
1: It's very true. Um, yeah, so like he, we had him on the show, and I, I gave him the nickname Lean Cuisine because that's what I thought his, his last name was. Cause I thought it'd be a cool nickname, but apparently it's cousin. Oh. Hmm, disappointing. That's disappointing. Yeah, disappointing. Uh, we could call him something else.
0: Well, I think it's kind of one of those situations. Have you ever seen what's that movie, Joe Dirt? <laughs> yeah. So he tried to tell everyone it was "Dear Tay to sound fancier, but really it was just Joe Dirt. So I think that's a similar situation.
1: <laughs> I think it's very close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did uh, see on Facebook that you were having a very heated discuss- discussion with uh, MMA prospect Alexi Argirio
0: Well, Alexi's delusional, first of all. You know, he's been living... Uh, Well, a lot of kids, they're soft. They they grow up on the island. They don't really understand what real fighting is. And I was trying to tell Alexi that the UFC is fake, and he didn't want to hear it. And to be honest with you, I got more flack for saying that wrestling was fake. I had a few people stand up and tell me that wrestling is real. I actually have a wrestling fan with me in the car right now. Uh Uh-oh. And yeah that person is actually very passionate and uh they seem to think that the wwe i got corrected too; it's not the wwf but i kind of prefer wwf i'll never change because that's what i know it as so why would i change it to the wwe i don't know well, so i got a lot of flack about saying that wrestling's fake so now leads me to believe that wrestling is more real than ufc
1: Well, if you would go take a trip back in time to about 19... In between the 1980s and 1990s, when Hulkamania was running wild, you would think it was real, 100%. Yeah,
0: Thunderlips. He beat up Stallone. He beat up Rocky. Yeah. That's real. That is real. Real fight. Both real things. Real fight. Agreed.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully these guys can wise up here sooner or later and... uh, and figure out that these fights are fixed obviously and
0: well even Jared getty chimed in he, he challenged me to uh, an everything tournament uh, he, he chimed in and he said look we're gonna do a grappling tournament a wrestling tournament boxing kickboxing I said you know what man the day that I try to grab someone's foot to win a fight I need to retire from fighting it in, in general <laughs>
1: <laughs> i feel that this is probably going to piss off a lot of these mma guys but that's, all right. that's oh, all right who
0: cares they're already you know they've already got their pajamas on so i'll just send them up to bed and duck them in myself
1: <laughs> well on a different subject how are your uh your got your well people from the fight for the cause doing
0: you know what? i actually really enjoy that um they're making a lot of progress and I was actually talking to Rival Boxing. Rival might actually sponsor, uh, sponsor uh, help sponsor the event, help uh, give the coaches some gear. Amazing. And uh, I think it was really cool. You know, it's a lot of people. It's, it's people from all walks of life. We have firefighters. You know, we have accountants. We have people who work for no, uh, charitable organizations. Like, these are literally the last people on earth that you would ever think would be fighter. We have high school uh, principals. We have everything. Oh, wow. And usually I'm kind of against this sort of thing. I'm like, why do you guys want to fight? You know, like, it's, it's serious business. And then I talk to some of them and I hear their stories, like, of why they want to fight. It's, you know, they're overcoming some sort of adversity. They've had something that happened to them and they're trying to, you know, um, get, some, uh, get some discipline in their life. Like, whatever their reasons are, they're valid reasons. So I said, I'll tell you what. I said, you know, I'll give you the best chance you can to win. I'll take you through a proper fight program mm-hmm. that I do myself. And I'll get you guys ready. So it's actually been a lot of fun. Uh,
1: I also need to address with you something I've seen online is the Super Jack Mom. What's her name?
0: Okay, the Super Jack. We need to get her on the podcast. The Super Jack not, uh, Mom is actually a fighter herself. She had 53 amateur fights uh, in high school and university back east in Toronto. She's a four-time national champion. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she is she is jacked. Her name's uh, Bailey Wilkins. I'll you know what? I'll uh, after we get off the show, I'll forward you her information because she would love to be on the podcast. She is nonstop. She'll show up to the run. She like, couldn't find a babysitter, and she'll start freaking running with a two-year-old in her arms. And I'm like, all right, how uh, that- about her? And then she'll throw the kid at me after about <laughs> two laps, and I got to stand there with a kid in my arms, which I'm not used to.
1: No, I did see her running and, you know, the track. We adapt. Yeah, I did see her running the track with a baby
0: on. Yeah, uh, she really does. She'll either have the cart with two kids in it, or she'll just throw one over her shoulder and uh, get after it.
1: Well, good for her because she's jacked.
0: Yeah, so we basically we have a policy that everybody is working full time doing a fight camp. When you're working full time, especially your first fight camp, can create a lot of problems. Everyone's making a lot of sacrifices. You know, sometimes I get handed a kid every once in a while when we're running the track.
1: Oh, I have seen you on the Instagrams. you've been crawling out of your lair a little bit early in the morning for my liking,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't sleep much, but you know what if you want to get after it, you know you can't make excuses like you know you need more sleep. I'm not a child, you know so I wake up at about four forty five some nights after I get back from Parksville. It's around midnight, but you know, I got a really good support system, a lot of people help me, you know I got a good uh, meal prep place. That makes all my meals. So a lot of the stuff that people take for granted, that for time, people help me out, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I, let's talk about the boogie child for a minute.
0: Yeah, what's going on with the boogie child? I haven't seen her in a while. How's she doing? She doesn't call. She doesn't write.
1: Right. She's got She's got some She got some stuff in the works. But uh, the boogie child just got into her first street fight.
0: You know, usually I don't condone that. No, who am I kidding? I do condone it 100%. I'm proud of the boogie child. How did she
1: do it? What happened? Um, so there there was a fight about a game of grounders, which I don't know what that is. And yep. then there was some words exchanged, and then there was a body check that sent the boogie child to the ground. And then Oh, the,
0: the bo- boogie child got hit first.
1: Eh? Yeah, the boogie child got knocked down, and then uh, she got up and proceeded to throw some strikes. That got broken. She's up. Yeah, she is drained, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fair fight. Um, no So that got broken up And then there was rocks Being thrown at her So then she Rocks re-
0: being thrown At the boogie child What the hell
1: Yeah And then she freaked right out And uh, proceeded to lay An ass whooping And
0: Do well, so to fly out there And you and I Go down and pay a little visit Yeah you
1: know? Oh trust me I'm always lurking Around the park And don't take that In the wrong way people Because <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, there's always fights At the park man
0: Really yeah
1: Yeah it's Saskatchewan We, we throw down here
0: yeah, hey, you know what? We're tough on the West Coast, too. I've never met a kid I couldn't beat up, so I'm not scared of any of them. Correct.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the fight ended up with uh, the boogie child knocking the other person down and uh, getting on top of them and proceeding to land strikes to the face.
0: Well, you know what? I, I don't condone violence, uh, especially at that age, but you know what? You, when you got to defend yourself, you might as well have the skills to you know, to be able to protect yourself, right? You're going to be getting rocks thrown at you and shoved down in the park. No, that's madness.
1: Well, normally I, I wouldn't have said good job to something like that, but uh, due to the circumstances, I got her a treat. All right, so you,
0: where'd you guys go? Did you guys get ice
1: cream? Uh, what did she, what did she pick out? We went to the store called Scutterbotch here in town, and she got, pick botch, out, yeah. Yeah, she got the pick out some treats there. So it, it was oh, all nice. good. But the, the real surprising part to me about this thing is she came home and she was like a stone-cold killer. Yeah. She didn't care.
0: She didn't care. I love it.
1: I, I, she didn't care. So.
0: She was just like, I had to go handle my business.
1: Yeah, she told me I better tell the boogeyman what happened. I said, all right, I'll, I'll do that.
0: <laughs> she did not say it, did she actually? Yeah. She knows. That's awesome.
1: She knows what you do. Like She has stuff up all in her room. She has, like, a little shrine of the boogeyman above her bed.
0: Yeah, I saw that picture. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, she likes it. So Very cool. at the end of the day, the boogey the boogie child can handle herself, so all you 7-year-old kids can, you better watch it.
0: Well, she's new in town, right? Does she have any trouble adjusting to the new school or what?
1: No, she's got uh, family members that go to the same school, so she has an older cousin oh, that goes there. And oh, the,
0: yeah, Mighty Mouse there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Mighty Mouse. He hasn't been bugging you hey. on the Instagrams, has he?
0: Well, he tried hard. He would hit me up with like about 10 haze. Uh-oh. He'd just be like, hey, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you doing, kid? You're bugging me. You tell me what you're up to. <laughs> <All
1: right. laughs> he never
0: responded after that.
1: That's payback.
0: Yeah. Just, he hit me. I was like, man, if you're going to ask me what I'm doing, you better have something to say.
1: Well, normally on Wednesdays, you're going up to Parksville. Are you going up there today?
0: Yeah, I'm in here right now. I'm, uh, I do the same routine every time. I stop at the grocery store, I get a bunch of treats. By treats, I mean organic, uh, what is it, gluten-free, uh, fair trade, GMO, West Coast, Island. <laughs> 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 treats. So, you, you've My really... partner in crime here seems to be a little more on the indulgent side. we so got a chocolate bar. Chocolate bar, we got some deviled eggs. <laughs> Like, oh, what is that? Stink. That is not training food. That's a deviled eggs, a Kit Kat. Oh, Holy!
1: What's happening?
0: Interesting. I don't know. You know, I picked up a hitchhiker, and uh, <laughs> they looked hungry, so I, I took them to get something to eat. And they just had some random choices of food.
1: Oh, speaking. it's literally it's a
0: salad, deviled eggs, Kit Kats, and a pink Powerade.
1: That's disgusting. Right. so
0: gross. (laughs) Yeah, there's not a lot we can do about that.
1: Well, speaking Uh, of... It
0: made me think twice about picking up hitchhikers. Yeah, don't ever do that I just made a mix. Oh, man. Okay, so do not mix kombucha and energy drinks together because it'll explode. And that just literally happened to me right now.
1: Oh, you actually mixed them in the same bottle?
0: Yeah, it was was like a powdered energy thing. I just threw it in there because I didn't have like a water bottle. Oh. And, uh, you know since i'm not practicing science anymore like i used to be a scientist i I hope the listeners know that so but i'm a little out of practice i didn't realize the carbonation and whatever's in this energy powder would create a chemical reaction
1: that it would it be like putting a mentos in a diet coke or something
0: yeah it's pretty much the reaction i just i just spilled all over myself amazing oh that's just that's something that happened
1: where is your giant reflex water bottle
0: uh, that is in the back. That's my post-workout shake. I put uh, diesel, whey protein powder, BCAAs, and um, I put in uh, electrolytes for after I train in carbohydrates.
1: Very nice. I like that. Yeah. Well, speaking I of-
0: Luke, uh, Luke. Oh, sorry, go
1: ahead. Oh, don't no, you had something to say about Luke, and I feel like we're going to make fun of him now.
0: Nah, well, Luke can wait, right?
1: Luke, Luke is secondary. true you got to say. Well, I was just I'm saying. A fan. Speaking about Parksville, um, mm-hmm. I did read that Brian Caldwell is going to be going back to the island for Christmas. Oh yeah, so that that might be exciting. You might get to beat him up.
0: <laughs> yeah, as soon as I see Caldwell, I'm going to attack him.
1: And I I do think Brian Caldwell has a fight coming up November 10th in Montreal.
0: Yes, he does. Yeah, he's uh. I guess, uh, you just got cleared by the doctors, and, uh, I think it, it's kind of a complicated process, the amateur boxing system. I'm not really familiar with it, because so I'm just like, ah, you know what, I want to fight for money. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I never went through, never went that route. Uh, but, uh, yeah. It's,
1: they fight a lot. Do not ever
0: offer me, I just got offered, what is that, a deviled egg while I'm doing a podcast? Do not ever offer me a deviled egg when I'm doing a podcast? Jesus.
1: You know Madness. who you know who eats deviled eggs?
0: Who, who eats deviled eggs? Isis. Isis does eat deviled eggs.
1: <laughs> Isis <laughs> eats deviled eggs.
0: Yeah, she Yeah. This nefarious character does look like she could be an ISIS for sure. <laughs> She's wearing a burqa, is that weird?
1: Uh that is weird. Is it,
0: is it weirder that I picked up a hitchhiker in a burqa? Yes. <laughs> I was just kinda curious.
1: I, I feel like I need to call the police.
0: Nah, it'll be alright. Something something will work out. (laughs) I'll just leave the car running, and then I'll just walk into the gas station, go to the bathroom, and then that problem will just take care of itself.
1: Now, what is this nonsense? I'll be the hitchhiker.
0: Do not offer me the last egg. I do not want the last deviled egg. (laughs) Could,
1: Could you imagine sparring on a deviled egg? That's disgusting.
0: Yeah, I don't even know what's going on. Rich has got all kinds of horrible things planned to do to me, and I gotta be very careful what I eat.
1: Yes, especially if you're gonna get hit in the body. And don't eat deviled eggs.
0: No, yeah, he has this like weird thing now, where he's like, ah, you don't really need rest. Oh. You're just gonna do push-ups in the rest time.
1: <laughs> well, that's uh, that's unfortunate.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's rich for you, though.
1: Now, what was this nonsense you had to say about Luke?
0: Oh, Luke Spicer. Yeah, he, he's. I see. He's making my smoothies. Yes. Yeah, he's on the smoothie. He's got a fight coming up, uh, doesn't
1: he? Uh not not one hundred percent confirmed yet, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen.
0: Very cool. Yeah, well, I like to see Luke get back into it.
1: Well, he's uh, he's getting old, so he needs to rattle these fights off. It's uh, he's a, he's yeah. a, he's a good kickboxer. So yeah, be, he
0: is. Yeah, I've heard good things about him for sure.
1: Yeah, he can he can go. So it'd be nice to see yeah. him fight. But he is making your smoothies. But I have seen seen him make them wrong. Is he cutting corners? One hundred percent cutting corners. Um, Typical. He wasn't putting in the fruit for a while. Why? Yeah. Why no fruit? Fruit's crucial. R- waste of time making the smoothie with no fruit. He uh yeah. he wasn't putting in the lemon juice. Another another no waste lemon of time.
0: Juice, yeah. Yeah. I I. Even Luke to cut corners.
1: Well, <laughs> let's be real. It's Luke. He doesn't actually listen all that well, and he doesn't know how to to operate things. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: No, that's why you got to take charge. I did like his suit last time, though. He had a nice suit. Did you help him pick that out?
1: No, I didn't help him pick that out. Uh, he he likes to show up and look a little bit more professional than I do. He's a... Uh, uh, well, he's going to try hard, right? He doesn't
0: have the same personality that you do, so it's like... No. You know, he's got to try harder in other areas.
1: Well, it, it is what it is. He's got a very dull personality. Like he's boring. Yeah, we like him, though. We like him. He's a nice guy. Smells like shit. Yeah, he can
0: hang around. He like shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where is he anyway? Did he come visit you or is he still where is he held up? Red Deer still?
1: He's held up in Red Deer. Uh shout out to all the people in uh Airdrie, which is about an hour and a half away from Red Deer. They had a fire there last night. Oh no. Yeah, it wasn't uh, they evacuated fifty people out of there actually, so Jeez, uh, shout out to shout out to all those people in that area. But yeah, he is in Red Deer. Um I'm glad I'm gone. I don't have to deal with him on a daily basis anymore. I can de- talk to yeah, him to- twice to a week. Yeah, sorry you
0: that. to be hard.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not the greatest. Now I have children in my house yelling and screaming. The yeah. Bo- the boogie child better than in.
0: Luke in your house yelling and screaming.
1: Well, dealing with Luke is like dealing with a small child.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: you got, got to take care 100%. of him. you got to tell him what to do. Yeah. He cries. you got to
0: keep an eye on him, for sure.
1: He's emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, deal, dealing with Luke twice a week is as much as I want to deal with him at this point. I will tell you something though. Luke and I but will be, will be applying to go on the amazing race, Canada.
0: That would be unbelievable. If you two get on TV together, the amazing race. Yes. Would be unbelievable.
1: We're, we are, we are in the process of making the application for that.
0: What will be more unbelievable is if you guys don't get kicked off the show. Before they release the finished copy, for trying to fight somebody, or the boogie child getting involved, or you guys somehow running some sort of scam—I don't know. I just, I, I just don't know how that's going to turn out for these regular people that don't know you.
1: Well, we do have contacts all over Canada where we could probably cheat in these things, but yeah, it would make for good TV, wouldn't it?
0: It'd be make unbelievable television. You two on there
1: be better than Dylan Carmen on Big Brother.
0: Oh man, Dylan Carmen's gonna get it, man. <laughs> Dylan Carman's got nothing, dude. You know, if Maladin doesn't end his career, then you know, I'm coming for him for sure. Oh.
1: Dylan Carmen sucks and he wrecked that he show. Does suck. He, he wrecked the show, big brother. He got a
0: Did I ever tell you about the time he pretended to be somebody else when he was trying to talk to me?
1: Uh, this has happened on more than one occasion, I feel.
0: Yeah, well, I went on his Facebook. His Facebook fan page or whatever, started like trash talking him, and like then he sent me like a private message, and it was like, "Oh hey, uh, just so you know, this isn't Dylan Carmen. This is his fan
1: page." (laughs) I
0: was like, "Okay, buddy." So what? You got a publicist running your fan page? And he's like, "Well, just so you know, like I fought this guy, and he was in the top fifty or something." Because he said something about like me fighting somebody in the top 100 and then like I looked at his thing like at his record and like he fought a guy who was 450th in the world then 390th and then 280th or something like that and I was like what are you talking about man and then like he sent me a message and he was like pretended to be somebody else he's such a coward he wouldn't even like confront me on a private message himself he pretended to be somebody else and uh, and I was like, "Look, man! I go. You're acting like you're talking to like a reasonable, sane person here who really cares what you say." I just said, "I'm coming to find you, bud," and I, that you can count on.
1: Well, Dylan is a little bit spineless. Uh, we we had a a, a slight altercation on Muladden's Facebook, where I posted- oh yeah, what happened
0: on Mel's
1: well i posted some nefarious videos and photos of him that i made during the time of (laughs) trying to uh goat him into a fist fight with you Nice. and uh he he did send me some some rude private messages uh (laughs) i in turn challenged him to a fist fight and he did not want to do that No. so it, it is what it is he he signed the contract to fight mel Mel's going to knock him yeah. out,
0: 100%. Oh, yeah. Mel, Mel will retire him, in my opinion. <laughs> yes.
1: So he, he's going to get what's coming to him. Um, yeah. si- Simon Keene, on the other hand, has been silent. No more. Yeah, food. well, he
0: yeah, you know, Simon's time is coming, too, for sure. Wow. Well. That you can count on. His time is got. He's got a fight in October. You know, I hear some rumors. I I, I got a lot of spies out in uh, Quebec City, and, uh, you know, I I hear a lot of things. I hear his training camp's maybe not going so well. Uh Uh-oh. You know, know, maybe he's peaked out. We don't know. We don't know if he's going to get any better, right? He hasn't looked any better in any of his fights. He's looked exactly the same, so.
1: Well, what we do know is you got a Mexican to deal with on uh, December 8th.
0: Yeah, he's got a good record too. He's uh, he's doing well, so it'll be a tough fight.
1: It's a it's a definitely a step up in competition, and yep. uh, it's been it's been overdue for a while. I'm excited. The last guy you fought was he was tough.
0: Yeah, he was very tough. I'd like to see that guy fight again.
1: Well, I've heard a, a little birdie told me that he we probably will.
0: I like that. Yeah, I think I know. I think I know the same little birdie.
1: <laughs> well. <sighs> We'll we'll cut it off here. Don't hang up quite yet because I want to talk to you not on the air for a second. uh, Sounds good. That's 10 minutes with the boogeyman.
0: All right, brother. Take care, man. Thank you. Yeah.
2: This is Jelena Murgenovich, 8-time world champion, and you are listening to the Spice of Life Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Spice of Life Podcast, featuring Tanner Wilshaw and Luke Spicer, two talented fighters discussing life, fighting, work, family, balance, and everything in between. Tune in weekly for your fill of laughs. Now, here's your hosts, Tanner Wilshaw and Luke Spicer. all right guys welcome back to the spice of life podcast our guest today he competed in the 1986 commonwealth games and won the flyweight gold medal he also represented canada in the 1988 olympic games he's the former international boxing organization flyweight champ and the united states boxing association champ he has a professional record of 34 wins with 25 ko's four losses and two draws it's scotty the bulldog olsen
3: Hey Scotty, what's up?
2: Hey, well thank you so much for having me on the show. That's uh it's really cool. Sorry if uh, my voice isn't coming out properly, but but uh no, it's great to be on your show.
1: Well, it's great to have you on here and it's uh you've had quite the career.
2: Yeah. Oh <laughs> well thank you. Yeah, I had uh I had a long kick kick at the cat since I was 14 to about 35 so that was uh i think that was if i if i can't do what i wanted to do in 21 years then there's something wrong with me so (laughs) so yeah it was a long a long fun ride that's for sure
1: Uh, did you accomplish everything that you wanted to accomplish
2: uh i think some of the things if i had to think about what i didn't accomplish uh i couldn't get any of the the uh, some of the title shots for the bigger belts, um, that would have been nice to have gotten an opportunity to fight against a few other guys. Uh, they just didn't materialize, and we offered step-aside fees. See, I was number two in the world for quite a while as well, as long uh, as well with holding the IBO belt. And so we'd offer a step-aside uh, fee to the number one contender, to step aside, allow me to fight for the championship, and then, uh, then I would, I, if I won, then I would make my first defense against the number one contender. And uh, there's a few times that they they opted not to. <laughs> so I, I, I sort of can't blame them because I, I would have knocked out uh, uh, the champions, and but it would be nice to fight for a few bigger belts. It, it was th- almost there, but. Uh, you know, nobody really wants to lose, and they lost to people that they thought they would beat. So yeah. I, I would have got them for sure.
1: So your last fight was against uh, Steve so, Molitor. Yeah,
2: that, that was the last fight. Yeah, last fight was against Molitor. Uh, I you know, I was I didn't have. Uh, well, Molitor was a little different fight because I'd I'd injured my back a in training camp, but. Uh, I still wanted to take the fight, so I jumped up, uh, I guess it was three divisions, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, it was God was he ever tall, but I hadn't had any sparring for the course of a full year, so I hadn't sparred, so I hadn't been hit in the head for a long time, and uh, as a fighter, you build up a bit of a resiliency um, when you're sparring and getting hit, you build up that resiliency, or at least maintain it. And uh, I remember when he first threw the first couple punches. And The guy could wasn't Molitor isn't a, a big puncher or anything, and and uh, but he was but his punches came so fast. I was wondering, well, how am I going to, you know, adapt to this, to that kind of a fight? So I tried to lure him in, uh, lure him into a big shot, and it, it just uh, didn't mater- <laughs> didn't materialize for me. So so that night, uh, I, I wish I would have. Uh, uh, being a little stronger, like a little more, a uh, little more weight on me, and uh, you know, usually it was hard to make weight. But this fight, I should have, uh, you know, being at the top of the class weight wise, I think that would have made a a little bit of a difference. Plus, some sparring would have been beneficial.
1: Yeah. So you went up to super bantam weight for that for that for that fight.
2: Yeah, I was like I was a hundred and twelve pounder. So yes. there's. I guess when you're smaller, like me as a fighter, then the the classes incrementally incrementally uh, go up. Um, like there's one twelve, then there's one fifteen, there's one eighteen, there's one twenty-two, and uh, it's because it means a uh, uh, quite a difference in your body weight. I guess you would say mm-hmm. uh, percentage of your body weight. So they have classes that are pretty close together. Uh, but yeah, in a, on a on a regular day whether he was fast and, and five foot eight and I'm five feet tall, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think I sh- still should have stretched him on a regular day at some point or at least uh, not, not get stopped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, being five feet tall and, uh, and, and fighting a guy that's eight inches taller than you is definitely a, a deficit. No kidding.
2: Well it I, I think it, well it could be I always found ways to get inside and uh, I just wasn't able to establish my strength in the fight uh, <laughs> It kept me at a pretty long range and uh, I think just the sparring and the the uh, uh, my eyes weren't proper mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, it seemed like he was a little bit farther away than what he really was at times so you just gain a lot by by being in the ring on a daily basis you know putting in those rounds putting in the work and uh, I I hadn't been able to uh, train to full capacity so when uh, when we got in there it just seemed uh, my eyes were not uh, I didn't have that distance management capability it seemed like I was a little off there and a little rusty and whole bunch of reasons but uh, but Stevie one of the nicest people I've met and he he's a sweetheart but I uh, uh, it sure was uh, unfortunate to lose a fight I, I went back to uh, uh, my record amateur and pro and that was uh, the only fight that I ever lost in Edmonton
1: oh that was a I had Edmonton? a
2: couple uh, a draw I think I uh, one or two draws but that's the only time I fought, I lost in in my hometown amateur or pro
1: Hmm. That's a that's an interesting stat. <laughs> <But> yeah.
2: <laughs> in 19- yeah. So, well, it wasn't like I had a billion fights, but I think I'm like twenty two and one, amateur and pro here in the city. So that mm-hmm. one, I, <laughs> I I don't like it. I uh, yeah. wish I could uh, come out of retirement and get that guy, but he's he's uh, yeah can't 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 reach him now.
1: <laughs> no. So in 1986, you competed at the Commonwealth Games. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, the Commonwealth Games. That was a really interesting experience. Like I had won pretty much everything nationally that was offered to me. Any any tournaments. Uh, I think I had won an international tournament. The only one I was in, um, I guess I would have been the international competition in Bulgaria uh i won that one i went to the world championship in reno nevada as an amateur Uh, i fought the world champion right off the bat and and i was out of that tournament but the the commonwealth games that that was a that was a nice thing because a lot of the attention was actually focused on some of the big guys like lennox lewis and egerton marcus asif dar howard grant Uh, a lot of those those fighters so I was a a bit of an underdog there, and uh, so I stopped a kid from from Ireland first, I guess, or it was either Ireland or Scotland. He was from uh, uh, probably Scotland. Then I fought uh, England, really tough competitor from England in the final, and uh, and I, I I put him down once or twice, but ended up winning a winning the fight. So that was. Uh, there was absolutely nothing like uh, standing on a podium and having o Canada play when the flag goes up. There's nothing like it, man. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 there was so it was so exciting, and to be kind of placed as not, not just an underdog, but uh, you know, one of the key players on the Canadian boxing team, uh, getting a little bit more respect. That was that was really important for me. Uh, you know, it wasn't always just winning the fights. Which I, I was pretty accustomed to, but I wanted to get the respect of a lot of the people in the Canadian Amateur Boxing Association, and uh, and it started really. I think that was the uh, uh, the real real big start of, of my career. Plus having having everything televised on CTV and and all the the great press, the great press and the great uh, columns, all the all the the print writers here in town, and helped me out tremendously. Mm-hmm.
1: So to time frame this a little bit, 1986, Scotty Olsen was winning the gold medal at the Commonwealth Games while Mike Tyson was knocking out Trevor Burbick for the WBC world title. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Am I getting there? Am I that old now? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a long time ago.
3: And then uh it is a long time ago. I was five. Right?
1: <laughs> I wasn't even old enough to stay up and watch oh the gosh. fight.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a little different. Now like they were, when I was coming up, like it, um from the time I was like twenty till about the time I was well, maybe twenty to um maybe a little bit before eighteen to about thirty four, thirty five, up until I kinda of retired. A lot of high school kids uh, uh, knew me, and now, uh, like, I haven't fought for 15 years now since I retired, so there's that uh, generational gap, so, like, I can walk around once in a while, and and uh, only people over 40 know me, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a little different.
3: I knew who you were when I saw you, and I'm not 40 yet, but I'm close,
2: so... <laughs> Yeah, the big four are all coming up.
3: So, being you still, w- oh, go ahead, Luke. I was just gonna say, um, you, you still, we know that we know that you keep, still keep heavily involved in the boxing community, especially up in Edmonton. But um, why don't you, you tell us a little bit more about that? What, what, what do you still do up in Edmonton with with some of the boxers? Where are you uh, helping people out, and who, who should who should we be looking for?
2: Well. You know, it's a it's a huge commitment to be a like a full time trainer, and with uh, some of my health problems, I haven't been able to dedicate as much time toward uh, helping some of the some of the kids on a daily basis and trying to trying to help um, uh, uh, you know my own kids and traveling them around all over the place, and so it's a little hard. However, uh, if I take a look at um, uh, some of the things I, I did, I was uh, Ryan Ford asked me to uh, to help him, and I I, I, off, I helped him, and uh, um, we spent uh, you know a few months in the gym. It seemed like it was that long, and so I'm more of a, a tip guy, where I can help refine some things. So um, instead of being a full time trainer, a guy like Ryan, he has full time trainer ship. So, but when I can offer tips to Ryan, it's and uh, you know just and watch him excel. It's really uh, it's brilliant for me. I've also uh, been down to help out uh, Carlito and Rafael Santoro. I That was my next question. I was going to
3: say, what do you what do you think of those Santoro kids up there? That that was that was a pretty impressive uh, matchup in in the last KO show from Rafael.
2: Oh. that it was amazing. You know, kids had like th- three or four fights, one pro and maybe two amateur fights in his whole life. Uh, Rafael fights like he's had uh, 300 amateur fights. Mm-hmm. Like he's as, as uh, uh, he, he truly is as good as a, as it kind of gets. Um, it's it's uh, in the way I see it a little bit unprecedented uh, to see somebody fight as he does um it's hard to hard to really offer tips to a guy who does so many things naturally and you don't want to take that natural flow from him you know you can you, you just got to let him sort of be that horse and run his own race and um and he finds ways and creates openings he's amazing Carlito is like a little buzzsaw he's a he he, <laughs> he has a little bit of a Um, uh, he has a killer instinct for sure. So he likes to go at it and throws a million punches. It was fun because I I would be the kind of guy who would fight um, and throw maybe 30, 40 punches around, and he get Carlito throwing like 150. So (laughs) I think as he seasons as a pro, he'll settle down a little bit and he'll be able to uh, uh, pick his shots and and mix his power a little bit better between the light shots and the hard shots, and start, uh, you know, really, really dropping guys, uh, kind of like a Hector Camacho, you know, that that would be probably a, a close one. That I've, uh, if I had to pick a fighter, he was like would be Hector Camacho right now. A uh, lot, a of, lot of pizzazz, a lot of flair, uh, good kids. I, I really enjoy uh, working with them. Uh, when I have an opportunity to go down to the gym, maybe offer a tip or two, and that's sort of been my involvement. Uh, uh, mostly, just Ryan and and those boys. Hmm. Well,
1: what's your thought on their their dad? He's a he's an eccentric guy. Oh, say that one more time. I'm sorry. I just asked you what your thoughts on Lino were. Their their father. He's a he's an eccentric guy.
2: Uh, Lino, Lino's. Do, you know here? I give a lot of credit when credits due. Um, I think I've I've always tried to say um, things. If, if there was something that that I could say, I would say it. And with Lino, here's a guy who who takes the time and the effort um, to 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 learn how to how to wrap hands. Um, um, whether it be by, by instructional of somebody watching or him watching somebody, or he does, uh, uh, he's done things on YouTube to try to learn and create as, as much info or get as much information as he can. I give that a the hell of I give that a hell of a lot of credit. And uh, uh, I, I really do. I think he's, he's, he's uh, good for boxing in Edmonton. He's keeping it. He's got a gym and the fight and he's, really personable with the kids that are down there you know i i I, I quite enjoy spending time with him he's uh um, has a great sense of humor um and i I, and he he helps like he when i look at how carlito and rafael are working out on a on a daily basis and the father's involved and leno's involvement in those kids like he's brought them up from scratch like i don't they don't need to have their hand held and and he's a very yeah i'd, I'd like to say a good a great father and i consider him a friend well
1: as i've gotten to know leno over the last couple months uh we initially got off on the wrong foot but uh he's actually a great guy i enjoy talking to him and uh he's done a heck of a job with those
2: kids yeah, he certainly has, certainly has. Uh, like he's taught them all the things that he has has to up till now, and they're they're great. And so they, they I don't think they really are in need of a uh, volt time guy like me being down there, unless they're stepping up a little bit and they need to, uh, like, uh, somebody to review a, a. They have a more significant fight and they need to have a review. Uh, maybe i can offer some stuff or some planning suggestions uh for for a game plan like i can be very instrumental in that kind of stuff uh teaching the kids how to fight they do that (laughs) they already do that so it's uh uh uh, and and rafaeli he does some things in in the ring that uh like it just makes you smile like how did he come up with that shot and he's sneaky and and uh, it's it's really they're really fun to watch they really are (laughs) the
3: the coolest thing for me was with all the I mean you know Patrick wanted that matchup and then it went away and then then Patrick turned to to turn to social media and got on there and and kind of hyped it up a little bit and, and and made it happen and you know there was some animosity between the two of them but the coolest thing was is 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 uh as a seasoned uh vet as patrick was the the animosity between the two of them really showed up in his ability to perform that night on on fight night at KO where rafael just put it away i mean there was some periods where he had some attitude as he as he clipped him and hit him but but it didn't affect his performance and i was like man there's a sign of a kid that yeah like you said only 3 fights but it's like he's he he he's got it like you know, and 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 he keeps working. He's definitely going somewhere because he moves unbelievable. And and the biggest thing for me was, yeah, none of the none of the animosity got to him, uh, and he he was just there to compete that night, which was really good.
2: That's a that's a very good point. I'm just going to follow this around here because I'm I'm uh, I did a little little cooking here. So okay, so when it comes to that particular fight i was always kind of the the nice guy i didn't uh you know talk up fights too much but in this day and age a lot of the fighters can't rely whoops can't rely on one second there brothers
3: cooking with scotty hopefully he shares
2: There we go. Okay, we got it. <laughs> the chef extraordinaire. Like, is that is, had, that is that the like timer to,
3: or is that the fire detector uh, uh, going off?
2: <laughs> I'm sorry for that. That's completely embarrassing, but it's the timer. Anyway, like, um, with Patrick, I I was never one to really pump up the fights, but a lot of the fighters today don't have that. Well, like I was blessed with a lot of things. Like the the media, all my fights on television, the support from the media, you know, eight different cameras. you'd have eight television stations down at every press press conference I had. So everybody got to know me and and helped draw a crowd, uh, created an attraction in myself, I guess. So I was an attraction now, where the fighters today they don't have that. That's. It doesn't seem like they're getting that that much support, but they they haven't had really long distinguished amateur careers as well, so that hurts. So that in talking up fights, I think that's a, a, a it's become kind of more so the norm. Um, and had Patrick not said anything, the fight probably wouldn't have happened. And you know, I, I'm I'm glad for both fighters. One for Patrick for taking a fight against a real talented kid. Uh, and, and for Raphael to hold his own in there, he had a lot of pressure, a lot of stress going into that fight. He had, uh, and then it, that fight particular being in his hometown, so much hometown support, first pro debut, first night under the bright lights as a pro, only two amateur fights prior to that. I, uh, you know, uh, you can't give the kid enough credit. Like, he's he's uh, just an absolute sweetheart to talk to. Uh, his brother, Carlito, same thing. Really nice people inside. And uh, you can't help but want to help people like that.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, we're going to get back to your career a little bit. One of the most interesting <laughs> things I've seen on your Wikipedia, because that's what I was reading today, is that you went to the 1988 Olympics.
2: Yes what was that like oh how how was it well <laughs> well i don't know i guess it, the the uh, i'm always kind of that go-getter guy and nothing's ever kind of good enough and i didn't have a lot of uh, athletic ability so wanting something so much um you know i just i just wanted everything so much throughout my career it led uh, it led me to the Olympics, and I should be happy for for having the opportunity to represent Canada and fighting uh, for my country and, and for all the fans and, and uh, athlete fans that, that had supported me. Um, but leading up to there, I, I won, like I said, pretty much everything amateur-wise. I win the, win the Commonwealth Games, and then I figured, well, I'll just win the Olympics. <laughs> so... So I figured it was a natural. So I I go to the the Olympic Games. I have uh, my first fight. That was that was a classic. I got to get some of these things on YouTube so people don't forget about me too much. But I, I knocked it out this guy. Like it wasn't one of the the country's uh, most prominent country in the world that you could fight from. It was from Papua New Guinea. But I hit him with his right hand, man. It was his head bounced on it. It was just beautiful, beautiful fight. And Then I fought Wayne McCullough uh, from Ireland. He became a, he went on as a pro to become world champion as a bantamweight. Uh, he's a friend of mine. But I, I beat him in the Olympics, and then I had the quarterfinal fight with Michael Carbajal, uh, where I needed to win that fight to win at least a bronze medal, uh, at least a bronze and. Uh, uh, so in that fight, I just expected to win, and uh, I didn't. You know, I, I got. Uh, I think it was a decently close fight, uh, but under amateur rules and with my style of fighting, those jabs. You know, you, you throw one jab and he lands one, and you. It, I didn't knock him down in that fight, but if you, if I knocked him down, a jab and a knockdown punch are counted the same. So really. Uh, I, my my whole world kind of went down when I when I lost yeah my my whole world was a little, little bit collapsed there for a bit and then I said heck with it I wanted to turn pro and and I didn't get very much uh, support from from Edmonton right at that point except for uh, Kenny lacusta who oh, was yeah. uh, offered to help me and uh yeah so I, I just I wasn't accustomed to not like I hadn't lost as an amateur, but I didn't expect to lose the olympics. I I fully expected to win 100%. Well,
1: in your era of boxing um from what I understand, you're coming kind of like from the big man era where where the heavyweights were the the highly toted athletes at that point. So, what was your experience like climbing up through the pro ranks as a as a flyweight?
2: Oh. It's a great, that's a really nice question, like when I I think about, uh, you know, nothing panning out for me here, I had one more opportunity as like jump in my car, drive down to Vegas and see if they would sign me up, uh, when I walked into Top Rank, uh, uh, they turned me down as well and then I walked back in the next day and they finally said yes, they felt sorry for me, <laughs> so uh so, the, but with all my fights on on ESPN, like all of them, they, they, they um, it was it was really beneficial for me because America, the world, Canada got to see the fights, and you know the stepping up in, in the division. Um, I was trying to always become bigger than than uh, uh, just a flyweight fighter. And with the uh, with the media that was generated, I was able to become known um, known as much as to a lot of people meeting me for the first time and thinking that I'm I'm like six foot five. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, the things were, uh, you know, I just had to step up, step up, and and when I was put in, I had a few easy fights, and then I I, I then I stepped up, and it was. Uh, well they stepped me up on purpose to to see if I could, you know, truly fight and what I could weather, if I could weather storms. So I, I had to uh I had to, you know, grow up pretty quick there. It wasn't just um, you know, there was a couple grow grow up fights, you know, grow up or go home and um and uh, and I survived them.
1: Mhm. Well it's a it's a rough sport to to try to navigate through at the same time dealing with promoters and and boxing knowingly being corrupt. The it, it's just it's just a tough sport to navigate yourself through.
2: It really is. It really is. Like I uh, I wasn't around anything really corrupt. See the the two major promoters in Vegas were Bob Arum and Don King. I was with Bob Arum so. Uh, he treated me really, really well. Got me all the all the fights and the exposure, uh, you know, through ESPN fights. I had some Tuesday night fights. Uh, um, what do they call it? Uh, CBS fight. I, I had one of those in Phoenix, Arizona. So all all that combined um, helped me become uh, uh, at least known. And then it was up to me to to establish myself as a fighter in tougher fights. So I didn't see any corruption. I just couldn't see things as to why they didn't quite go my way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't understand uh, the sort of, a little bit of wondering why I'm not fighting Carbajal a little sooner. Why am, why am I not fighting Johnny Tapia, who was three pounds um, heavier than me, both in the Hall of Fame, one that I had beaten before as an amateur fighter. So uh, I, I didn't quite understand those things, why they weren't throwing me into some of the fights. But at that point, when I was fighting, I, there was something maybe a little more focus was placed on your record as well, and they didn't want me to take a loss, especially a loss that had that was. Uh, uh an obvious loss, like if if I had got myself crunched in a fight. So I think they I was a little bit protected then um, uh, I guess that's why some of the fights but nothing nothing bad politically really happened to me at that point in my career coming up in, in Vegas. I thought that was they they did they did a really good job, brilliant job and the PR guy at top rank, Lee Samuels, did a great job. So I enjoyed that.
1: Mm-hmm Sorry, I had to That's run away good. for a second. What were we doing? Somebody was like ringing my doorbell. I don't know who it was. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. It wasn't your oven. <laughs> well, it wasn't the
3: oven. I'm not cooking anything. I'm. <laughs> I am getting hungry, though. I'll tell you that. Um, Tanner doesn't know how to cook. He can. He can. He can make a mean steak on the barbecue, though. But I don't, I don't think he knows how to cook on the oven. <laughs>
2: well so does my face show up okay holding the phone like it is or do you want me farther away from this thing
3: we uh, actually can't even see your face you clicked on call not on the camera so we, we haven't even seen you at all oh really nope. oh yeah i just got a little little uh um it's just your logo there's like a camera picture and there's a telephone picture and you clicked on the telephone um there's oh, a little camera it's a square um, and a triangle you can still click it and you can jump in with video for the for the rest of the call which is fine but we we have it happen lots um scotty it's not a big deal we only record the audio anyway so um okay. sometimes it's just nice when you know that you're recording i see tanner got another package in the mail yeah what's I'm, this real deal or uh, i'm uncle gonna Ron? do i'm
1: gonna do a cheap plug for uncle Ron.ca. just got a uh, a package in from these guys fantastic t-shirts i don't know if you can see that scotty
2: oh Uncle that ron, is awesome
1: uncle ron t-shirt i got the uh the adam braidwood heavyweight champion surrey bc t-shirt mm-hmm. and then uh they sent me the nice adam braidwood wbu heavyweight champion victoria bc t-shirt all
2: Oh that is awesome boy that uh well, I'm gonna get some shirts. I had some nice shirts coming up, uh, so I've never, just never, never really taken, uh, never distributed anything. So yeah, let me get some shirts done up, and I'll send you guys one.
1: Oh, that would be well, amazing. Be sweet. So, for people out there that like to watch fights, is there one Scotty Olson fight that we can try to find that that would sum up your career?
2: Um. Well, I think when I was about what would I've been? Twelve. Let's see, twelve, fourteen, and old. Uh, two fights that uh, I think were were really really strong fights, uh, where I, I really gutted it out against fighters that were. One was a, a Mexican fighter. His name is uh, uh, Roman. Also, so Ramon, so R A M O N, Ramon Solis S O L I S. That fight, I think I have that one on on YouTube. Um, that was a hell of a fight. Like uh, I knocked him down in the first round, and uh, uh, and then he he got up somehow. So then he had me almost out in the sixth, and I came back, had my eye closed, and just that 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 inner. A fighter and me uh, came out in that. I thought it was a pretty brilliant, fight for for me to to take. Second one was against uh, Dio. Uh, anyways, last name is Anduhar. A N D U J A R. So Ando, Dio Anduhar. This kid was tough. Like this guy came was from the Philippines. Had one fight in San Francisco, leading up to my fight with him. And, uh, you know, I had media traveling with me to, uh, not with me, but they would come down to the fights when I was fighting in the States from Canada. And uh, I had media, my friend, even uh, Robin Brownlee uh, of the journal at that time, you know, he said, Scotty, before the fight at the press conference, Scotty, don't fight this guy. This guy is going to, he's not the right guy for you to fight. And I said, well, I'm here and I'm a fighter. (laughs) <laughs> and I, mm. I should fight the guy they brought the guy all the way up for me so might as well fight him so I did and, and that, those are two fights that uh, were back to back you know one I think in the andohar fight I think I broke my orbital bone and it, it was just a really really good entertaining fight so those two fights were good I have the Jack Russell fight I thought I did a good job with that fighting um uh, Jack Russell fought him and um, fought him here. I think it was a title defense. I think he was former or current or former Australian somehow champion of mm-hmm. something. Uh, I thought I did a really good job in that performance. Um, uh, I, I was, I'm working on. I'm working with the company right now to get a bit of a highlight videotape going so that I can. I, I can uh, be more like my like my man Ryan Ford and having some some videos out there for people to see. So, well as you can see, I can't even Skype properly, let alone, <laughs> let alone put a video together. So I do need help, and, uh, and then I can do a proper highlight video of myself. But I'm try- I'm trying to get a lot of my fights on. Uh, I have them all now off of VHS they're on discs and now I can I can start uploading that on YouTube so oh that'll be pretty sick
1: was the Jack Russell fight for the title
2: uh I think we I think we declared a title fight yeah I think that was for the IBO title okay so yeah yeah I we we opted to he was a scrappy guy he broke my nose uh uh, Through punching, he was really fast, and I, I was kind of—I didn't throw a lot of punches in the fight, but some of the punches I threw and what I—I uh, I, kind of grinded him right down, you know. Made him uh, more so. Uh, it was like uh, welcome to the NFL, <laughs> the NFL kid. <laughs> it was one of those <laughs> kind of fights, you know. He was in a bigger league, and I uh, was a better fighter. Uh, not that he couldn't have knocked me out a couple times. And and did actually hurt me in the fight, but I, uh, I yeah I, I I had a lot of experience leading up to then, so I, I <laughs> so I know how to get around stuff.
3: So. Yeah, you. Uh, that's what I, I've been looking at BoxRec as you've been talking, pulling up some of those names and looking at different stuff. It's pretty it's pretty neat to see uh, to see all those names and then and then to click on a lot of them after the fact to see what they did and a, a lot of those guys. You know, I mean, Steve, the last guy you fought, right? He went on a wicked tear. But a lot of those guys, you you handed them the, them a w or handed them a loss, and and they just they just went downhill from that that loss. A lot of those guys on the records, right? It was like loss after loss. A lot of them didn't uh, didn't rebound from from after getting stopped by you. So that's that's cool to see.
2: Yeah, a lot of them they they had records and uh, box rack. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had a box rec sort of thing. It was a big book that had all of your oppo- or all the names, and it was just a uh, it was a book that you had to physically go through to find out, um, you know, opponents, opponents' records. We didn't have actual um, box rec right at that time. So, but the the records were verifiable, and and some weren't because they fought quite often in Mexico, and I fought a lot of Mexican fighters. So their records, they, they were more. Uh, there's a couple box rec fighters that quite a few of them that they they have zero and zero or zero and two or pro. You know these guys were were way more seasoned than that. So mm-hmm. uh, you can't really look on box rec for Mexican fighters and mm-hmm. think you're getting uh, what 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 it says. So the, uh, they they had way more wins and, and fights than what many of them were given credit for.
3: Mm -hmm. now well but all i'm saying is a lot of the guys you click on the names and uh you you were the last person to beat them it's like they retired after you whooped their butts so (laughs) that's that's what i mean it's kind of cool it's like oh last beating or they or they went on to lose a couple more and then like yeah we're done but before that they were they were they were on you know on tear some of them so it, it, it is neat to see that
2: yeah thank you well, I, when it comes to the other fights, the the other one that's a little more publicized about was my. I was twenty three and oh, eighteen eighteen knockouts, and then they put me in with the uh, Jose Zepeda, uh, Z E P E D A. He was like a, a a a like a warrior. I think at the time I fought him, his record would have been about twenty three and twelve. I figured, well, I didn't even watch a tape on the guy. Uh, prior to the fight, but I figured if he's lost 12 times or 10 times, chances are he's going to lose to me. <laughs> so so I didn't really worry about his record too much. But this is one of the guys, like this, if you look at the guy's face, he looked like he'd been chasing parked cars all of his, all of his life. Uh, just the, like he was just a rugged fighter right prior to me uh my fight i think he had his eyebrows shaved down because all any of his losses were due to cuts so he had his eyebrows literally shaved down so it'd prevent um uh well it would just help not getting cut so so he did that but he was a mack truck nobody wanted to fight this guy uh some of the the some of the fighters ricardo lopez you know uh, uh great great fighters uh, I don't think Carbajal wanted a part of that guy, um, and so when when I I said yeah sure I'll take the fight I broke my hand in the third round of of defending my USBA title against Zapeda, and uh, and I I guess I lost by one point uh, one point on one of the scorecards or something like that so it was that that was a really big being my first loss and. Breaking, I broke my hand in the third round in two places. Two different bones in my hand were broke, uh, metacarpals. And uh, to go through that fight with a guy that won't stop, like he just won't stop coming at you and throwing a million shots, and, uh, you know, uh, man, that that was a tough fight. So break your hand early in the third and, and to go 12 with them with how I did it. I thought that was a a, a key fight mm-hmm. for me too. I didn't get the win, but I think I lost a majority decision mm-hmm. um and and felt truly robbed in that fight but um you know that's way that's way by that's boxing
3: <laughs> yeah that is boxing yeah it's any it's any combat sport that goes the distance, right? You just never really know
2: no, you never know.
1: So from 1997, like September of 1997, up until February of 2002, you had been fairly inactive of sorts. You had four fights in that span. Was there, did nobody want to fight you?
2: It wasn't so much that people, I, well, early in my career, earlier, like uh, there were a few, I guess you kind of live by decisions, at times, and you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I had let go my trainer at that time, and I was able to uh, acquire Jerome coffee as a trainer, as opposed to Richie Sandoval, former weight champion that was training me. Uh, you know, I needed a little bit more. Um, anyway, so I. I Richie was no longer my trainer, and I get a different trainer. Then I'm doing most of the most of the work for my fights. And you know, as a young fighter coming up, and here I, I'm doing all the work to try to try to you know acquire fights and still paying thirty three and a third of my percent to a manager. Who, who is a friend of mine and I love him and I it, things were just a little bit off for me so my loyalty suffered in those two ways um, and you you should never shoot the horse you ride in on uh, and I, I kind of shot the horse twice so in the, that period of active inactivity uh, I became I had a loyalty and that loyalty, uh, there, there were things promised to me that I would be fighting, and and it it didn't materialize. But I stayed loyal. Mm. Uh, so my loyalty to my manager and trainer, I've profoundly, um, profoundly uh, uh, apologized for. We're both on good, we're all on good terms. But you know, I, I, sh- I shot the horse I rode in on to some extent, and I didn't do it the second time. But it led in led into my inactivity. Mm. So that that you know, those are a few extra years of of some prime fighting stuff where I could have had, you know, a lot of great fights. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, that that was some some a little bit of my prime, a little bit of some prime fighting times. So that that's a great question, and uh, it really killed me to to not be fighting. I I I, I wish mm-hmm. I had, I wish uh, things materialized, but. But my my you couldn't question my lo- loyalty at that point. So, so that you know, I grew up a little bit with uh, knowing that I did the right thing and stayed loyal to an opportunity. But they weren't coming in often enough.
3: Well, I looked at that. and The craziest thing was is your first two years you had nineteen fights in in twenty four months. Mike, you fought like every month. Just about.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it, funny. Like I, I made my pro debut in uh, January of ninety, January nineteen ninety. Make my pro debut on ESPN, and then uh, in my second fight, that was in February. But I broke my hand, so uh, I broke my hand, and and the first fight goes the distance. The second fight, I break my hand, it goes the distance. And I'm thinking top rank is going to get uh, get rid of me. Here I called myself a knockout artist, and my first two fights go the distance. Plus, I break my hand, so now I'm an injury risk. So, uh, And the next one I think I fought was like in... So they put a a, a plate in my hand and at the end of February. I fought, I think it was early May. Like, it May. wasn't much time to, to get myself... Uh, uh, get myself all healed up and so I had my third fight that one was I think the only fight I had off TV in in Las Vegas uh, uh, fourth fight here I believe no but anyway I had two fir- first two fights go the distance can't knock anybody out and then the, the then I knocked out twelve in a row so I was kind of got myself back and had I um not yeah, I was fighting every month like <laughs> yeah. it was. It was ridiculous. But then you you look at the old time fighters, old time fighters. You check out some of these record ring box rec- records, of uh, gosh, Tony Canzoneri, uh, go to Sugar Ray Leonard. A lot of these fighters, or oh, sorry, Sugar Ray Robinson. Mm-hmm. They were fighting like every Friday in ten round yeah. tough fights. I, I can't believe how they did that, and so fighting once a month was uh, it was fun. But uh, you know it could have been more often. But they'd always give you a, either a fourteen or a, a thirty day wait until they thought you could fight again for your protection. hmm mm-hmm. Well, you if looking? I if I had stayed um, fighting throughout some of those. Those times uh, uh, where I'd had a layoff of a couple, t- a year or two years or three years, if I'd uh, been fighting nonstop or as much as that I wanted to, I, w- I wouldn't be able to be on. Uh, I would be on on your show to be able to talk to you. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able yeah. to understand me very well. So uh, there's blessings that came with not fighting as often as much. Even though I wanted to fight, there were blessings that were given to me. You know, just I, so that, I, that I that that I can still hold a conversation to some extent and remember stuff. So, uh, or else I'd be pretty punchy by now.
3: Not not that I didn't believe you by any means, but I had to look up that Sugar Ray. And yeah, he fought three times in a month of October in nineteen forty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that something? The
3: fourth, he fought the fourth. Then he fought the eighth. He fought four days later. Then he, fought, yeah, then I mean, he fought again. It's like what the hell? And and oh. then yeah, the ninth of, of December, and then yeah. and then the thirteenth. That's crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, like oh, it these was are ridiculous. like six days
3: apart, four days apart. Like yeah, that, yeah.
2: Well, oh, it's like they fight it's... on a Tuesday, fight on Thursday, and and it's just <laughs> see the, now those are fighters. Those are fighters that really brought it and. And, and when you see these guys great fight and going ten rounds and and some of them are twelve rounders too and 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 they tuned up for fights, it was just a little different than how it is now yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was different back then, so I was I always considered myself and uh, you know I am a throwback fighter. I didn't fight like any other flyweight that's ever lived uh there's no fighter that fought like me um. Uh, you, you just if you look at uh, look at my career at my weight with my style, there wasn't anybody that that uh, you couldn't compare me to any particular fighter. You really couldn't because I, <coughs> I, you know, I was kind of a mauler and uh, um, kind of mauled people a little bit. I I um, crowded them. I used my strength against them. You know, I didn't throw lots of punches like other flyweights. So. So it's kind of nice to have that little niche somewhere that, uh, yeah. you know, you know I didn't fight like uh, Ryan Ford, or I didn't fight like his dad, I didn't fight, you know, like uh, George Devalo. There is, it was just some some unique things that, that that I was able to acquire from. Uh, I well, I, I guess I just acquired it uh, without having a lack of natural ability athletically mm-hmm. uh didn't have that so i had to work around things and use my strength and my chin some punching power to try to try to do stuff anyway the other, other fighters I, I don't remember any anybody fighting quite like i did
3: nope
1: well the the old school fighters are different like you brought up uh, ryan ford's dad al ford he was notorious you could call him on 24 hours
2: notice <laughs> yeah he is and and it's so I'll, I'll tell you that story too because it was Al Ford who got me into boxing oh jeez. he actually oh, got oh. me into boxing met him met him at Kingsway Garden Mall and talked to him and and uh, and his nose was a little bent I could see some of the scars over his eyes and I told my mom I said I want to be like him when I grow up and here's a kid who can't play baseball I can't do hockey I can't do any of these sports that I I had tried. And then I meet Al Ford. Want to well, now? I want to be a fighter. Well, as a mother, and you have a kid that has no athletic ability, about the last thing you're going to allow your son to do is be a boxer. Mm-hmm. So, so she said no. So I had, to, I had to, but they, my family chipped in, bought me a heavy bag, and for Christmas, and I hit that for was it seven, eight months before. I, um, I was, or maybe it was a year until I was able to go down to the gym, but, uh, and try boxing, but Al Ford was the one that got me into it. So in, in, in getting a, a little call or message or a little shout out from Ryan, uh, at the end of 2015, it was like December, I think. And he asked me to come down to the gym if I, w- if I would like to come down and it was it was just perfect because my brother at that time was currently dying of cancer i needed something to do something productive to do with my time and uh um so in in going down to the gym here and there and helping ryan give him a few tips here and there it, he ryan ryan's so go from his dad to get me into boxing to ryan uh essentially saving my life because he did, helping, helping him kept me away from a lot of things that, that I could have been doing at that time and I led myself on a bit of a tough road and, and Ryan was the one, I give lots of props to him. Give him you know just for reaching out and offering an old fighter a, a little bit of something to do with his time uh, give, give uh, Ryan Ford a lot of love for sure
1: that's uh, a cool story that brings the, the, the story full circle though Al Ford gets you into boxing and you get to help his son
2: no, it was it was it was really neat. Like uh, I've always given uh, Al Ford lots of respect for the boxing stuff, but as a former fighter, uh, I think it's a little different now. When when you have the you know you, I, I, I I walked into uh, a different gym, like a Southside kind of gym, and uh, you know the 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 coaches had the tell the fighters who i was like they had no idea who i was but the last time i fought they were like minus five or minus ten years old so they don't remember the hype and and the excitement that that uh, the media helped me create here in town so i don't know i just they're the fighters you have special fighters i think you know uh, you have Rafael Santoro, you have Ryan Ford, I've never seen anybody uh, be as motivated like even on my level to to uh, to exceed and, and uh, Ryan's an incredible fighter uh, incredible fighter to learn you know he just takes everything in and he learns and he absorbs information from from so many different people that and and excludes stuff that uh, isn't doesn't apply to him and what applies or if he works on something he's yeah this might work and he does it Mm -hmm. he goes out and does it. he's a he's an amazing amazing person amazing fighter it's nice to nice to see him excel
1: well we do get ryan ford on the podcast once a week now we also get adam the boogeyman braidwood on here um i know you were probably there for his last fight against uh christian what's his name i can't remember his last name no but it was a tough fight eyebrows yeah
2: like for for ryan no
1: for uh adam braidwood
2: oh i see yeah no that was uh, that was good uh, like he he's come through a lot uh, he's like the, the 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 forget about being one of the biggest but he's He's just a sweetie. Like, you talk to him. (laughs) I I love that guy. I love Adam Braidwood. You know, how do you not like him? I remember there was a handful of fights ago. Now, I can't quite remember how far back, but he would walk around like the KO boxing show. And I don't don't even know if he was on the show or he was just kind of. I was I was scared to death of the guy. Then when I fight, like just he was really big and intimidating. Then I finally met him, had the opportunity to have a couple words with him, and what a sweetie! Like he's just a great guy, and and here's here's a fighter who's doing everything he can to. To, uh, uh, to learn as well and to work on things and to to, mm-hmm. to better himself like I, I just give so so much credit to to Adam and in his fight like he's um, I, I didn't see him having so much of a an issue in in the fight. it was a good entertaining it was an entertaining entertaining fight. I, I just see him with his jab and when he he got rocked, he settled down. Uh, and that little spurt that, he, that led to the stoppage in that fight after being hurt yourself a little bit, like me, he was he didn't go down and he wasn't, uh, uh, you know, out, a uh, down and out like that. But when he came back in that round and stopped the, the, who did he fight? Tim? Shrelly? I can't remember exactly who he fought, but it was, a, it was, it was, it was epic. And, and how he stopped the guy at being hurt. When you hurt somebody, if, if you get hurt early enough in a, in a round or uh, you get hurt in a round and you come back that round and you take control, that's special. And uh, yeah. Adam showed some special qualities in that fight. For
1: sure. Adam's a tough guy. You don't ever want to get hit by him. He's <laughs> huge.
2: No, you want you avoid you avoid getting hit by by him. Oh, he's strong, Like, There's not like a, I I don't think there's any fat on them on him at all. He's all muscle, and and uh, I know some of the fighters. I've checked out some Facebook stuff, and they tease him about uh, never wearing a shirt. <laughs> so I think that's funny. And there's some funny things like, uh, but he's just it's just nice to see. Um, and I, I i don't I don't really care, and it's none of my business, but uh, uh, you know I, I guess uh, coming back from adversity I, I i've I was able to come back from some some pretty severe adversity uh, outside of health stuff that I was able to overcome. and um, you know i uh, you know, it's not uh, I, I don't advertise it, but I did and I, uh, and and Adam is is just uh, he has a really great heart. You he, you he can't meet him and not like him. They're, it's no. impossible. Yes,
3: totally. I totally even his opponent,
2: his opponents like him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, the, except for that
3: like, scared baby Simon or, or uh, uh, oh god, now I can't even think. Not Simon Keane the freaking other musclehead
2: dylan carmen oh the, uh, um yeah yeah i'll lose track of the name too but he uh, yeah the, sometimes the fighters go off a little bit and but uh without without having eight television cameras without having you know four four press writers you know two for the journal two for the sun and without getting that you kind of have to do it yourself to some extent mm-hmm. and you know, self-promote. and i I, I see that I, I thought it was a little offensive at times as it was coming in, but then I realized this is this is for benefit of the fighters to to not be getting the press without having a a long long list of credentials coming from the an amateur background that was televised to, you know, uh, i I really started to take a look at a big picture. I wasn't. Uh, as narrow minded I opened up my mind, and now I see it as as being a pause of things and fighters that uh, that will you know talk a little bit and and uh, you know bring on some people call people out a little bit. We didn't do that in my time, but we didn't really need to you know we we'll let the uh, if we were interviewed on t v then we might say something but but I understand the need for it for the fighters today, yeah.
1: Well, th- that's why we kind of created this show, because we're over here in Canada, and every, everybody seems to think the Mecca for Fighting is over in the United States or somewhere else in the world, but we have some great personalities just here in Canada. We have some great mm-hmm. fighters, and we have a lot of guys that deserve deserve to be heard, and yet maybe we do get a little bit loud and a little bit brash, but it's, it's what we got to do to get our names out there and get heard so people notice us and... And, and so we can get these bigger fights.
2: I I agree hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's just that things are a little bit different, and you know I'm I'm all for it, and I uh, I, I still think you can, you know, uh, talk about people without uh, maybe hurting, not hurting their feelings, wouldn't be the right thing. I think it, it, you know that competitive. Uh, way of talking. I think that's positive. I think um, if you're saying somebody isn't a very good fighter and you want to fight him, well, then you're just. And if you do end up fighting and you end up beating him, and you just said he's he's nothing, then it doesn't make your win seem as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No kidding. So, yeah. So you got to be careful. With how 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 things are kind of structured. You want to build up. I know this guy's a great fighter. I don't like him one bit. He he's beaten some guys. He's great fighters. So when you beat him, and makes yourself look better, than than if you said he's nothing and you beat him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the, every fighter I fought, the the guy that I was fighting was the best fighter on the planet. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it sure uh, does to
3: me. I does, understand yeah. that completely, and I think most people will too. It doesn't make sense to undercut them. You even saw that with uh, Mayweather talking up. Uh, McGregor and uh and whatever beforehand, right? Like, you know, he's got the size, he's got this, he's got that. And it's like, you know, people look at it, they're like, Oh, he's just selling the fight. It's like, yeah, but you know what, it worked. And we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. We've talked about that enough on the on the show or whatever. But it's just it's true though, right? Where you can see other guys like, he's a bum, he's this, he's that, and then they beat him and it's like, see, I told you. It's like, well Okay, well then, why did you even fight him? Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> why did you even fight him? Or even if uh, you don't necessarily lose to somebody you called uh, a horrible fighter or a bum, or he's this or that, and you have a bad round, you just yeah. have a bad round against the. Uh, the better you, you you make your opponent look, the better you look in fighting him. That's uh, that I think we all agree on that. So
1: that's totally one hundred percent. Well, Scotty, we're up yep. at the hour mark, but I think we're going to have to bring you back on for part two of this at some point.
2: Yeah, no kidding.
1: I'm not quite done talking to you, but we got to wrap it up. I'd absolutely
2: love to, Lieutenant. <laughs> you guys are great. I, I just really appreciate the opportunity. And, again, you know, uh, I, my love out to a lot of the fighters that are around town, the ones that, that want it, that are trying to trying to go for it. And, you know, and um, right now I think... Um, you know, lot, lot, lots of love to to Ryan, for to to the Santoro boys, to to everybody in boxing. You know, I they give a give a little shout out or or an opportunity for an old time fighter who who uh, uh, left it all into the ring every time I I went in there. But thanks for the opportunity. It's a, it's a it's sometimes it's not a, a, a day changer it's it's like a year changer for me so oh, it's not cool. like i get uh you know it doesn't just change my afternoon or my hour it changes a a year for me and and my outlook my outlook of of how um people perceive me and uh, it's it's very uh, uh, uh i uh, it's very appreciated that's that's what i have to say
3: oh. Well, we're gonna see you face to face December eighth. I'm pretty sure, or uh, yeah. you know, maybe maybe before. But we got KO boxing. I know you're always up there for those shows. So uh, we'll have to make sure that we get a get a hello. in. we're always up there doing some. Some press stuff sitting ringside, and uh, try. We're we're probably the most <laughs> unprofessional reporters that Mel can bring in because we're sitting there. Everybody else is is taking their videos and photos, and they're writing and blogging, and, and we're like, oh yeah. Oh wait, shit, we can't say that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, go both of you, yay! Like, you know, because we're oh. so. <laughs> We're so into into it that we just, you know, we both love watching combat sports, and so to be there yeah. ringside, you know, is always is always uh, such a fun fun time for both of us. I know I can say that. So one
2: hundred.
1: percent Oh, that's
2: oh, that is terrific, don't you? Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic in doing what you do, and and uh, yeah, anytime uh, you know, I can I can be of service. I, I'm a hundred percent. I'm in.
3: Awesome.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Make sure everybody out there supports our Canadian champions Adam Braidwood at uncleron.ca and Ryan the Real Deal Ford at Real Deal Athletics. Go over to those two sites. Get your gear, get your hats, get your shirts, get your hoodies. Support our guys. And also, when Scotty Olsen gets his t shirts out, we're going to support that too. So we'll let you all know when that happens. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty, for coming on the show. We really Uh, appreciate uh, it. And, uh, guys, uh,
2: stay tuned for part two. (laughs) Love love, love listening to you and love love being on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Scotty.
2: Okay,
1: bye-bye. Bye-bye.